This is Things That Really Matter, a podcast by Global Multidisciplinary Engineers Kundal that is dedicated to creating new and innovative solutions for the built environment and driving the agenda towards a more sustainable future. Join us as we discuss the challenges and changes that affect the built environment around the world with the brightest minds in our industry. Welcome to the Building Performance Matters podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about what building performance services is and why you should know about them and how they matter in the environment we live in. Some of the questions the building performance services engineers often get asked are, how can we reduce the building's ongoing environmental footprint as building operators? How can I run my building more efficiently to reduce the operating costs? How do I get funding and grants that can maximize the return of my investment on buildings or assets? If you want to know the answers to these questions, keep listening and follow our BPS podcast series. Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Building Performance Matters podcast wherever you're located. Today's podcast will be on BPS 101, talking about the basics of this engineering service, the history of BPS, and the new trends of this service. My name is Elaine. I'm the marketing executive in Asia, and part of my role is to support the building performance services at Kundal. And joining our podcast today, we have three well-experienced building performance experts from different parts of the Asia-Pacific. First, we have Mathuron Marianagam, the principal engineer located in our Perf office. He's also the APAC building performance services lead at Kundal. Welcome, Matt. Hello, Elaine. Thanks for the introduction. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Secondly, we have Annie Nguyen, who is the associate at Singapore office. She is the building controls lead in Asia Pacific. Welcome, Annie. Hi, Ellen. Thanks for having me here today as well. Great to have you here today. Last but not least, we have Chris Leung, who is the associate in Hong Kong. He's the BPS lead in Hong Kong, China. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Elaine, for the introduction. Yeah, it's great to have all three of you today here. And today's topic is around BPS 101, so which is the who, what, why, where, how, etc. Um, so to start off with, let me ask you all a question. So what exactly is building performance services, what we call BPS at Kundal? Um, Chris, do you want to share some historical background about the services? Yeah, most definitely. So BTS started as an idea of people wanting to make their buildings more efficient, um, function better. And it is in response to a lot of the building issues that has been experienced, including sick building syndrome, including uh, runaway energy costs and changes of use. So over the past 10 years, uh, we have went from more of a energy efficiency, retrofit, um, improving the systems to becoming more holistic into looking at how the building and can be used together for different purposes, such as uh, as a part of the society to allow people to have a better well-being and so on. That's great. So that's a very insightful historical background of what building performance services is what about now like how do people see building performance as a service now and what do you think will be in the future annie yeah i think for now i can see that there's more and more requests from other clients to us asking for like uh, building performance services for energy audit for like how to to make their building more efficient, um, how to achieve net zero carbon for their building. 
uh, previously I can see that you know most of the time uh, building performance services was only being looked at after the uh, build the commission is already done after the building already in operations so they start looking at how the equipment is running and how efficient it is and then they probably will see and seek uh, help to maybe tune their PID better uh, to get a like, more efficient operations for their building. But for now, I can see that um, like people start to even um, consider about efficient building, uh, efficient design, even during um, the design stage. So um, that has been quite interesting seeing like um, a lot more requests uh, seems like people um, are more concerned about health well-being about like climate change and want to do something for the for the planet in general that's great i think as you guys have discussed and i think that the trend is actually changing over the years and people see the service differently so matt can you tell us about who are the people that are usually being involved in this service Absolutely, Elaine. Um, from a built environment point of view, everyone um, relating to in terms of the design, construction, operation, um, and usage, uh, those are the the whole ecosystem will be involved. But in 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 particular, uh, we see um, certain uh, groups. Uh, they are particularly interested in um, building performance services. Um, if I start with the building owners or, or fund management who are actually owning those buildings, they pay a lot of attention on building performance services these days. Um, and the second uh, group of uh, clients that we are seeing who are interested in building performances is uh, from the asset management or asset um, um, the facility management point of view and, and the facility management companies um, who are involved in running the building as well as maintaining they are looking into making the building even perform better the another category of uh, uh, clients that uh, who that are uh, looking into building performance services are the people who are actually using the space uh, who are the tenants um, as well as the tenant representatives who are helping the tenants to have the spe spaces they are interested in uh, knowing how their particular building, the building they are um, tenanted are performing and whether there are opportunities to make it better. So uh, so it is a variety of interest group, but I would say the owners, the facility managers and the tenants are showing more and more uh, focus on building performance services. That's a really great insight. So basically anyone who are like a stakeholder of the building or you know from perspective using the the building in some way then they will want to know about the service more actually they will be the ones who will be looking at the service and improving their buildings basically that's right great um so now moving on to the next part where we want to know what kind of services and elements are included in BPS, which we touched a little bit just now, but um, Chris, can you share a little bit more in terms of what services or elements are included in BPS? So I'll start off. So building performance services has traditionally been about energy efficiency, um, but it can be very broad. It can and look into things like building health, uh, building sickness syndromes, uh, in terms of change of use. How do we convert one building, um, which is designed for one purpose, into something else, like 
for example, um, uh, warehouses being changed in the data centers is a popular one. Another is the expectation of the people have changed. So in order designs, the ventilation or air conditioning may not be that sufficient. How do we bring it up to the modern standards and amenities? Um, so it also varies from different location and places uh, in places where we, there is a lot more historical buildings uh, that could be converting them from their original use into something uh, better or to greatly reduce the energy consumptions of those buildings because the original buildings are not built uh, with a lot of insulation or is very leaky, but uh, the system's design then was old. That's a very good point, Chris. Uh, retrofitting and uh, repurposing of the building is uh, sort of uh, the heart uh, of the building performance service, becoming a important, a significant part of the building performance services. Uh, uh, it is true, instead of uh, building new buildings, if we um, mm -hmm. use and retrofit and repurpose the existing buildings, that will have a, a fantastic outcome from an environmental point of view. So that's where we see a lot of uh, investment um, companies are trying to see whether their their current investment can be used, uh, not only just for the next 50 years, but you know, next 100 years. So definitely uh, that is a, that's a major part of uh, services that we are offering. Yeah. Um, I think also on that point, technology has advanced. So there's a lot more digital controllers, AI, uh, that can be retrofitted into the buildings to give the building owner more information, like how their occupants are actually using the, the building. Is there ways to optimize? And maybe Annie can touch a little bit more on that. Yeah, uh, I agree. So I think... Um whether the building is performed efficiently or not, you really need a set of data to be able to analyze and see how it is. Um, so even in Singapore, there's people start to um, see the importance of uh, smart systems, the smart control systems, whereas you should like, connect all the system, pulling all the data to a common platform and um, like, maybe voluntarily share the data uh, of how efficient your building is um, to others so they can use it as a way to benchmark certain type of buildings. For example, like um, for office building in this region, how much is the um, energy usage um, per se, and then um, compare with all similar types and see where your office is, where your building is um, compared to others building in the region. So. Um, Things like that has already been uh, recognized and uh, Singapore recently released out like a Green Mark 2021 guideline, whereas they have like one whole section for intelligent systems um, where they award like certain points for a company to be able to um, get to, uh, to gain towards the Green Mark Platinum by maybe getting like uh, some scoring uh, if they fulfill certain criteria inside that section itself. Yeah, I think what Annie touched on is very important because a lot of the countries they have their green standard may it be lead, well, um, green mark, RIAM, BEAM in Hong Kong. Um, and you get certain points and concessions uh, if we do achieve certain things and we can demonstrate certain things. So well has more strict requirements where you need to be physically able to demonstrate and 
effect and measurable effects similar to the living building challenge. So that's where a lot of the uh, BPS is going into. It is how do we document this? How do we prove it? And then this directly translates into a, well, first the benefit for the people. And then second, it is a benefit to the commercial aspect of the building because there are certain concessions from the government that can be a, obtained like um, lower uh, utility cost uh, or rates, I should say, or um, GFA exemptions and things like that. So that's also why we've been driven into more of the ESG side of things. It is because a lot of the financial institutions uh, now require ESG reporting and they require hard data. So oh, if a Absolutely. building is a certain performance, then it gets a better rating and therefore you can leverage more. So it is ever evolving. And maybe, Matt, you can touch a little bit more on that. Uh, Chris, that is a, yeah. a, a fantastic point that you mentioned um, coming from Annie's point that the smart buildings and how measuring and reporting is becoming crucial part um, that is actually translated into the ESG reporting for financial institutions and their assets. Um, um, that is another area where building performance services is required. Um, another aspect of that would be how the decarbonization and net zero targets of those assets can be achieved um, and uh, uh, essentially uh, building and organizations are looking for uh, building performance services experts to help them uh, um, help them achieve those net zero targets by 10 years or 20 years and start the work right now going forward. Um, one also other um, expectation uh, that we see from our clients before even they buy any particular assets, um, they, they like uh, performance uh, services uh, engineers and experts to assess the building from an acquisition point of view to see when that particular building is expected to be um, um, something called a stranded uh, building. So if that is within 10 years time or five years time, they don't want to buy it. Whereas uh, if there are any um, interventions can be done, then they will be interested in buying that asset. So so the, 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 the services and uh, the areas of expertise that building performance uh, experts can provide, it is ever expanding and uh, we only only expecting it to be grow even further yeah i think that's really good you know ideas that we talk about just now and like how it actually touches a lot of aspects of things not just engineering but also you know how it involves you know investment operational cyber things that kind of then makes it relevant to a lot of different people in the industry like it would just be um, it won't just be you know the developer or you know the landlord that who's reliable on this but it's almost like you know everyone who has a stick in the building will need to look at how this affects what their daily job is and how they make every each and every single decision um so speaking of which you know as we move along bps how do we see the trends of BPS? Like, for example, what are people doing like five years ago? And you previously in our discussion, we, you mentioned something about the government incentives and then the taxation. Can you share a bit more on that? Yeah, I think um, a few years ago, uh, Singapore has already pushed quite 
uh, hardly on having a better design for the building. So they provide grants for company to get like funding from the government to be able to design a better systems. They also give grants for like training um, professionals to be able to be more aware of like the methods to achieve a better um like design as well. So um, you, you receive grants such as like energy efficiency fund by National Environment Agency or the resource efficiency grants for energy by the Economic uh, Development Board, uh, which most of the projects can receive funding support of up to like 50% of the qualifying cost. Um, some of the previous funding has already lapsed um, or the funding is already exhausted but Singapore government is also introducing new funding and schemes. Um, I did mention also for like the um, grants for training costs for professionals so things like Singapore certified energy managers. Um, previously they provide a 50% um, grant for people who take on these courses as well. Um, to like you know encourage people more and more people um to participate and take in the course uh, and hopefully they will be able to gain more awareness of how to um make it like how to manage energy in general um I think um previously they also um introduced the performance bond type of project whereas uh contractor will take on the project and they will not um. Like kind of like receive the fund from the client immediately rather they will have guarantee the performance so like I will be able to um, help you reduce the energy usage of your chiller plant and then whatever savings that we you are able to achieve then maybe I'll take like 70% of that uh, as my payment later on and that payment scheme will last for like five or ten years depending on the contract agreement so by having introducing all of these um, grants as well as initiatives then uh, Singapore managed to get like more and more people participate on those um, so we have like previously as a system integrator I have seen like quite a lot of contracts or RFPs being sent uh, to ask for like performance um, bond like that and yeah I think a lot of company has tried to get good use of that and they managed to reduce their energy usage as a um, minimal cost to them. Thanks Anya. I think the incentive is a really good tool that we see uh, across uh, many jurisdictions uh, in Australia. Currently, the banks are uh, introducing uh, something called a green lease or green bond, uh, essentially uh, giving uh, money to any uh, institution or uh, building owners to um, to uh, implement uh, energy efficiency and as well as building performance measures without any interest rates. So that is becoming uh, very well uh, received as well as a uh, very well utilized fund in Australia. So that incentive is a, is a, a very good tool uh, in the market to drive uh, building performance services. Yeah, I think building performance services has become significantly more complicated in the recent years. Uh, because like when we originally started, let's say in the 70s, it was fairly straightforward. Like we increased the building envelope or increased the installation in the building envelope, and then we save energy, like the moat issue in uh, Vancouver, where, where people insulated houses, and then they started to develop moat, and they have a, run into a health issue. 
So nowadays, uh, with people being more educated and and more up with the times, it is a more of a holistic event to look at multiple um, avenues of the building itself. So including energy efficiency, including uh, the occupancy, including the future potential uses. And of course, right now with the pandemic going, then um, how do we actually guarantee the, the health of the individuals inside the building? Or in the case of a building being or like happening, happening, can we actually use the building as a emergency center? So it becomes uh, substantially more broad. That's very, very interesting. Um, and then so in terms of oh, speaking of um, green loans and stuff like that, we in Hong Kong, we also recently done a project called CIC Carbon, um, sorry, Sustainable Finance Certification Scheme. So it also encourages um, construction or building developers or, you know, anyone in the industry to go towards, you know, sustainable construction and things like that, uh, to encourage more um, sustainable um, projects and that gets funding a lot easier. So I think that's something that's really trending in the like recent years and so. And although it's not a new thing, but I think it's just that the awareness is stronger now and people are paying more attention or building more schemes or uh, setting up more systems to ensure people can have access to to money or you know have funds towards this goal that we're trying to reach to. Um, so as we talk about trends right now, I realize that there's also implementation of carbon tax where people will get taxed on when they have carbon emission, which is highly relevant to how our building operation is. And I think in Singapore, there's a certain level of carbon tax on businesses too, right? Annie, can you share a bit more about that? Yeah, so I think uh, Singapore is now really pushed um, quite hard on uh, reducing the carbon emission and having a better low energy building design. So for example, the carbon tax on businesses with um, in heavy industry uh, that emits direct greenhouse gas equal to uh, above 25,000 tons of uh, CO2 annually. Um, the carbon tax is currently set only at five sing dollars per ton of greenhouse gas emissions so it's around 3.5 usd uh, and it will be like that from uh, 2019 all the way to 2023 but um after 2023 the carbon tax rates will be raised from 3.5 usd all the way to roughly like 20 usd per ton in 2024 and 2025 and then become uh, 35 uh, per ton in 2026 and 2027. And um, they also have a view to reach uh, somewhere between like 38 to roughly um, 60 per ton by 2030 as well. So as you can see, like the amount of um, the cost increased quite exponentially and a lot more people have to like uh, start looking into how to reduce um, their carbon emission. Um, I can also see like for building wise, we don't really emit much carbon, like not, not at the 25,000 tons of CO2 annually for sure, but uh, a lot more customers also kind of like looking into a carbon neutral or zero carbon uh, emission uh, plan and they like ask for assistance in all of those aspects. Um, we also 
have more funding available in Singapore now. Uh, so the um, we we already have quite a few numbers of um, uh, Singapore certified energy managers. So that funding has already lapsed, but um, we still do have like new funding schemes available for um, additional like GFA cross floor areas for developer who adopt enhanced construction industrial uh, transformation map standards in areas of like digitalization, like smart productivity, sustainability um, in the private sector development. Or they also have like the green mark uh, incentive scheme for like assisting building to lower the upfront cost of energy efficiency uh, retrofits as well. I think uh, Matt mentioned to me previously that they have uh, similar uh, like tax for the carbon in Australia. You want to like like maybe illustrate more on that, Matt? That's right. Uh, I was to jump into that, uh, Annie. Um, it's very uh, interesting to see how Singapore have this uh, carbon tax uh, in terms of uh, what's the cost for per ton of emission or in terms of emission reduction that is going to cost. Uh, whereas in Australia, we have a, a system where the price for one ton of carbon um, is fluctuating. So if a particular company or uh, organization is planning its uh, net zero carbon strategy solely based on buying uh, carbon units um, and offsetting, um, that is not going to work in the future. Right now, the cost of one ton of uh, carbon offset might be in the range of 25 to 30 uh, Australian dollars. However, because of the the demand and supply uh, changes uh, at one point it has gone to $65 per ton and we are only going to expect um, very high prices uh, for carbon offsets so now companies and uh, building owners are realizing that they can't just um, rely on offsetting as part of their decarbonization or net zero carbon uh, targets, whereas they have to start looking into how to um, significantly reduce their footprint um, using uh, building performance uh, services. Um, and that is a real um, real benefit every building will have to seek to reduce its footprint rather than uh, relying on the carbon tax. So basically saying if you don't want to pay as much of carbon tax, then people should start looking at how to reduce their building um, carbon emission like now, now, not like wait until any further, because then the carbon tax is just going to increase as time goes. Absolutely. Uh, one other other thing we are noticing in this uh, region is that uh, countries like India, where most of these uh, carbon offsets are coming, they are restricting uh, that none of the uh, carbon offset projects from India can be used in other parts of the world to offset. That essentially cutting off half of the um, uh, offsets available in the market, then people are now realizing it is going to be uphill task to uh, relying on buying offsets, whereas they have to put that money into upgrades and efficiency in order to reduce its footprint. Yeah, I think so. I think like money can solve most of the problem, but essentially it's not the ultimate solution to everything that we can have. Um, another thing I want to ask you about is 
on top of just you know carbon tax and you know all these monetary schemes, some other companies they actually do BPS for other purposes, like you know the public PR image, um, the the expectation from from their stakeholders or investors. How does that play into the role of building performances services, and how do we act our role as consultant to to help our clients on those areas? That is a fantastic question, Elaine. Um, more and more, uh, we are seeing that uh, part uh, coming into play. It is what we call um, as a non monetary uh, aspects of it. You can't put a um, figure into that one. You can't put a, a cost-benefit analysis on that one, whereas it is these in, uh, intangible benefits becoming more and more uh, important for uh, organizations. Uh, one good example uh, I can recall, Curtin University in Western Australia, they engaged Kundal to, to produce a net zero carbon roadmap for all of their campuses. Um, it is a it's an ambitious target. Uh, it is a, a fifteen years uh, to twenty years uh, uh, roadmap. But the primary purpose for them to embark on that journey is to um, attract more students coming to the university because that is becoming a the the young uh, population they are looking into not just the standing of the university or the um, uh, the facilities available in the university but more towards what universities are doing in terms of uh, future proofing in the carbon era what they are doing so they try to evaluate uh, different um, aspects uh, from a university before they choose. Um, so that is one of the reasons Curtin University mentioned us that um, why, uh, one of the reasons I must say, uh, to embarking on that journey um, for a net zero carbon future. Um, the uh, few other things in this uh, performance, uh, bu building performance services, what the clients are looking into uh, would be the tenant retention. Uh, what we are seeing is that one. Uh, premium grade buildings in Australia, although they have uh, anger tenants for the next 10, 5 to 10 years, they are looking into um, expanding or increasing the um, sustainability credentials of the building so that they can retain those anger tenants for even further uh, another 20 years or sort of. So we are seeing um, a proactive um, action from building owners um, that's 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 helping the building performance services to do more uh, on their building yeah i think matt like on your point specifically a lot of research has happened into the productivity or like sick days being uh, taken by staff for buildings which are more healthy and less healthy and there is a a good distinction between a healthy building and a unhealthy building and that's one of the reasons why a lot of the uh, developers and building operators or i should say companies are looking for healthier buildings so that they have less overhead costs in terms of hr and whatnot because for a lot of the companies the human capital is the most expensive and if the the workers in the building are getting one or two six days off extra every year then that cost them a lot of money so it is now filtering down into the books in that way as well and i think yeah. when we have done a project um previously which is the hong kong green building council advancing that zero when you design when our team designed a um future workspace 
um, that involves a lot of, you know, like performance of the building and how that affects the occupiers or, or like, you know, tenants within the, the building. Um, so I think that was one of the bigger aspects that we looked at in, in terms of building performances and then how that affects people who, 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 who work in it and then that affects their productivity as well. Um, can you share a bit more how, how that was designed and then what was the, the aspiration in terms of that design? Yeah, of course. I think, well, for the advancing uh, net zero, we are trying to have a sky rise building, so around 200 meter tall tower, and have it as close to net zero as possible because uh, we as humans, we exist and therefore we use energy and resources. So it's very hard. Um, so the advancing net zero allows the occupants to actually choose where they want to be in the space that is more comfortable to them. And those space are conditioned to different levels so that overall in the building, it is uh, less energy consumptious. Yeah, I think health and well-being is definitely one of the things that we consider when, when you know, upgrading buildings or, you know, consider the, the performance of your building. So it was a very interesting discussion we had today. Um, and we talked a lot of the basics um, of BPS and why it matters to us, some historical backgrounds of BPS and some of the future trends and even going a little bit further in terms of what people care about um for the buildings and, and and things like that so as we have come to an end of the podcast let's wrap up with some key takeaways from these sessions you know if you guys are going to send one most important message from this episode to our audience and what would it be um any would you like to go first yeah sure um i think for me the key takeaway i would have would be uh, we only have one planet to live. So even though currently we see like, you know, growing significance in the consultancy world and more customers reaching out to us um, to improve their building performances, we would like to also stress the importance to have an efficient and smart building to reduce our costs as well as to save our earth. And improving building performance is not a one-time task. It is a continuous task that we would love to assist everyone to achieve this as well. That's great. Uh, what about you, Matt? Um, I think the developers, investors, and the building owners are becoming more and more aware that uh, retrofitting and repurposing of existing building uh, is vital and important than building new, uh, brand new buildings. Uh, uh, as we go into the decarbonization uh, net zero era, this is becoming a, a strong transition in their mindset and building performance services is there to help that happening. That's very insightful and very powerful statement there. Um, <laughs> what about Chris? Yeah, I think uh, what I would say is that there is always an opportunity in BPS. Um, it is often labeled as being hard or uneconomical, but at the end of the day, we don't have a lot of choice. And to make what we have better is always going to be cheaper and more efficient and faster than building something new or restarting. So the message is that there is an opportunity and we can go take it. Nice. So pretty much like if you hear this podcast, you should start acting on um, looking at your building performances right away. 
Cool. Um, so that's really great. I think we have some really good discussion and then uh, food, food for thoughts. Um, so thank you very much, Matt, Chris, and Annie for being here with us today. It was a pleasure of uh, have this meaningful discussion with you guys. And thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the Building Performance Matters podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed our discussion so far. And if you want to take a look at the uh, projects that we mentioned, feel free to head over to ourcondo.com and have a look at those projects and our services. Stay tuned and follow our LinkedIn and Twitter page so you know when our next episode of BPS podcast is coming. And we look forward to uh, welcoming you in our next discussion and episode. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you. Thank you. This is a podcast by Kundal. We're a carbon neutral business committed to achieving zero carbon design on all our projects by 2030. To work with us and help us achieve our goals, visit kundal.com.